Star Trek Picard. It's not next generation. Almost 20 years had passed. Things have become more complex. The world of Starfleet, the world of the Federation is not quite what it was the last time Jean-Luc Picard was seen in that world. It's different and it's not all good. The Vintage Picard Podcast. It's um, discussion, analysis, debate about Star Trek Picard. All right, good. It's really quite exciting, actually. Very good, fine. I'll listen. Engage. Welcome, 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 dearest listener, and thank you for finding us. Thank you for joining us here on the maiden voyage of Vintage Picard. Vintage Picard. That sounds offensive. I want you to stop this immediately. That is a stereotype, and I apologize to anyone who may be French who's listening to this podcast, or anyone who's offended on the behalf of the French, but... Anyway, I guess that's a good sampling of what you're going to get here because that's kind of the tone that we aim to have here. Just kind of loose and fun and, and, and you know, it's just television. It's television we enjoy, but it's just television. Let's not take it too seriously. The audio that you just heard was from a just-released featurette, Patrick Stewart, talking about his brand new upcoming series, Star Trek Picard, only on CBS All Access. So welcome once again to Vintage Picard, a podcast which is going to be dedicated to covering Star Trek Picard and Star Trek at large. This being the very first episode, I would like to tell you a little bit about myself, about who I am. And in fact, I have a co-host on this episode. Say hello, co-host. Hello. Thanks for joining us. How are you, buddy? I'm yes, indeed. Well, thank you. I could not echo that sentiment more. Thank you so much for joining us. And I think we will start off by telling you a little bit about who we are. And then we'll tell you what to expect from the podcast. So just real quick, real quick bio. You can. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling up my pad and, uh, and, and reading the bio for myself here vis-a-vis Star Trek. So I am Gary McComiskey. I have in some circles been known as the American Rhino. And if you know me as the American Rhino, then you may very well know me as one of the hosts of the hit the deck podcast it's hockey in sneakers but we are not talking about hockey here we are talking about star trek we are talking about star trek picard specifically and we are talking about star trek in general when applicable because i have a long history of star trek watching and star trek uh some star trek knowledge i came to it as a preteen when star trek the next generation was in syndication star trek the next generation is my all-time favorite star trek series i am not somebody who has an encyclopedic knowledge of star trek who sits on uh memory alpha and and corrects people's mistakes and knows every single thing every single tiny fact about every single episode but i am someone who has a long time passion for the the franchise and uh specifically the next generation era so that's where i'm coming from i want to introduce you to my co-host once again properly who you i believe should get to know and uh, somebody 
else who shares a longtime background of loving Star Trek, and that is Mr. James Sejazi. Thank you, Captain. Yes, I'm also a lifelong Star Trek fan, and I uh, give the credit to my older brother, Anthony, who is five years older than I am, so he always kept me under his wing and always made sure I had good taste in good things, so one of them being Star Trek. So I remember- All good things, James. Very nice. All good things. Very (laughs) very nice. So yes, similarly, I think I was around nine years old or so in 1987 when Next Generation premiered, but I was hooked on the original series- Long before that, again, yes, thanks to syndication. Growing up in New York, it was usually on on like a Sunday night, late night on Channel 11 locally. And uh, so we'd watch the reruns then. So I love the original series. Then Next Generation came on. I'll be honest with you, it, it took me a few years to get used to the new Enterprise. To me, that was a big leap going from the original series to the movies to the TV. And the whole Next Generation 2 had to get used to it. So it took me about three seasons to to really get into it, and then I was hooked, and I loved it, and I got what everybody appreciated so much about the show. And then fast forward to Deep Space Nine, which is personally my favorite Star Trek series of the whole Star Trek world. So I don't know the difference between a Trekkie and a Trekker or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, too. Uh, kind of like that Saturday Night Live skit that uh, Captain Kirk did, and he got a little bit of trouble with William Shatner making fun of the fanatical Star Trek fans out there. But um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to get into a fight with you two uh, with Star Wars and Star Trek and all that nonsense and things, but I do love Star Trek. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. I love the, the premise, the idea, the hope, the science fiction, the acting, the writing, the whole thing. But yes, uh, I will probably make a mistake here or there, so forgive me, dear listener. And of course, we'd love to hear from you too. We want participation and opinion and uh, even feedback and whatever the case is. And, and uh, you know, we, we could make you a part of the podcast too. So thank you, um, uh, Gary. I was going to call you the American Rhino. Thank you, Gary, for okay. inviting me on the bridge here and being a part of this podcast, which I think we're both very excited about and wanted to do for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, okay, if you want to contact us, let me give you that info right up at the top. We can be emailed at at vintage picard at gmail.com we're, we're pretty much vintage picard everywhere gmail twitter facebook instagram just pretty much vintage picard that's all you have to remember all one word so let me set you up for what you're going to expect from this particular episode here of this podcast so basically it's going to be covering all the setup for the star trek picard series which premieres on thursday January 23rd. That is less than a week from when we are recording this. I can't say when you're listening to this because I'm not you. I mean, obviously. Otherwise, uh, you know, I, I, I would be sharing a brain with you and I wouldn't have to tell you all this stuff. Vulcan but, uh, mind melt. Yeah, yes, I could do a Vulcan <laughs> mind melt. Right. I, I also want you to understand this is not going to be a super serious thing. Like we're not going to we're not going to detail everything frame by frame and uh, nitpick continuity errors down to the tiniest detail and, and all that, you know, and, and we're going to keep it fairly loose because it's not about nitpicking Star Trek for us. It's about the fun and the love of Star Trek. So that's what you can expect here. For this podcast specifically, this this maiden voyage, as I said, this first episode, what you can expect is twofold. The way I see it, I'm going to break this down into two parts. So if you are somebody who has been avoiding spoilers for, let's say, the comic book series 
and or the short treks episode that just came out a short while ago as of this recording then you maybe want to avoid the first half of this podcast and skip ahead if you are somebody who has listened and watched has uh intaken that's not a word who has not who has uh skeletorial yeah if you're somebody who has ingested that media already and uh, you 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 don't want to know anything. You've been avoiding trailers and everything. You just want to consume it as it comes out and enjoy it as it comes out. Then maybe you want to avoid the second half of the podcast when we're going to cover all the trailers that have come out and kind of uh, where where we stand at the beginning of the series and maybe some of the people who are going to be on the show and possible speculation about where the show might go. I've included time codes for your edification of when all those conversations start. So if you need to skip around, you can. And so whether you want to be spoiled or not, we got you covered. And that is an awful lot of talk. (laughs) And I guess there's going to be more, but you know, it's an awful lot of setup. And I think it's time we jumped into the meat of everything because you're not here to listen to us tell you about who we are and why we're doing this podcast. You're here to find out about Star Trek Picard, and that's what we want to talk about. So let's start with the setup. So, James, you have not really followed Star Trek very much Correct me if I'm wrong here. You haven't followed Star Trek very much since that Next Generation series of movies ended, correct? Exactly right, yes. I've watched reruns of Deep Space Nine and the original series and, of course, Enterprise and Next Gen, but right. That Nemesis movie came out and I've kind of erased that out of my memory. I was very disappointed by it. So, yeah, I've been out from then. So, for me, basically, I'm going to pick up Picard I'm thinking the last time I saw this crew, with the exception of the 94 movie that they did, Generations, I believe. Um, yes, the, the movie that had Kirk in it. Yes, yes. Well, that, that, I don't want to open up that can of worms. But anyway, basically, more or less, I'm just going from that uh, final shot of all good things and skipping over to Picard. So yeah, there are, in, in my life, <laughs> a couple of decades worth of uh, Star Trek stuff that I haven't kept up on. In my life, I've missed some track. Yes. Boom, 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 boom. Sorry, I tend to do that. Buckle in. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, that's that's fair. I, on the other hand, have kept up with Star Trek over the, the years. I mean, it's mostly been the glut over the last few years. Discovery came back and, you know, the short treks they've had, which, you know, by and large have been very good. I did watch all of the reboot Star Trek movies, so they're not my favorites, but I am aware of what happened in them. Don't expect that to come up too much here on mm. this podcast, I think, but uh, that's, that's not something we need to worry about right now. But so, okay, James, let's set up where we are, where we came from, and how we got here to the beginning of Star Trek Picard. So when we left off what you're saying, all good things, which was, of course, the finale, the series finale of Star Trek The Next Generation. Captain Picard had been jumping around in time. He had been, you know, being bounced around in time by Q. Spoilers! <laughs> and uh, he he had seen possible futures of what happened to him and to the rest of his crewmates. And, you know, it was left off on a very sweet note 
kind of hopeful with him kind of integrating at the poker table with the rest of his crew or not all of them. That would have to be a very large table <laughs> with, you know, the main bridge crew, the main cast, the the ones that we loved so very much, enjoyed seeing their adventures. And they, they flew off into the proverbial sunset. One of the futures, though, that he saw was, in fact, his own, wherein he was a uh, vintner, I believe they, they were called. He is in that future. He's somebody who owns the, uh, I guess, the Picard family winery, I, I'm going to guess. And he, uh, you know, he, he found himself out in the field picking grapes and stuff. And even though those futures were, you know, effectively not wiped out per se, but they were by no means certain. And in fact, some of them were absolutely negated as, as we saw with subsequent events, you know, it's still, I guess, um, kind of demonstrates tendencies towards what might happen. And, uh, so, you know, in fact, that, that winery thing, became something that happened and and we'll cover that more later but you know that 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 was an important kind of uh uh bit an important theme i think that they wound up going back to uh, generations of course was the movie and unfortunately in that movie part of that movie was uh, tragedy unfolding as the the terrible fire at the picard homestead killed uh, his brother robert and his nephew, Rene, and his uh, sister-in-law, uh, I think it was Marie, I think. <laughs> I don't know. And again, I apologize for the pr- French pronunciations. I, uh, I'm, I'm a deeply offensive person in some ways. But so anyway, that was Generations, and that was a, a minor theme in that. But, you know, it, it continues with the through line of Picard getting older. There's this whole thing about time and, you know, how at the beginning he 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 feels the, the weight of time pressing down upon him. But by the end, he comes to accept time as a cherished friend that walks along with him. You know, it ends on a fairly optimistic kind of note. Someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all our lives. But I rather believe that time is a companion who goes with us on the journey. Reminds us to cherish every moment. Because they'll never come again. What we leave behind is not as important as how we've lived. After all, number one, we're only mortal. And then, of course, we go into First Contact, which was the movie where the newly christened Enterprise E. Oh, yes, that's that's a significant thing that happened at the end of Generations. They blowed up the Enterprise D. Oh, it still hurts, James. Yeah, that is my favorite Star Trek ship of all time. Oh, I, I could I just love that ship so much. And they blew it up. You maniacs. You blew it up. That's a completely different sci-fi franchise. But um, so, yes, that that happened. First contact. They bring out the Enterprise E. They go back in time and fight some Borg. Jean-Luc Picard learns a little more about himself. He learned that he never really got over the Borg assimilation, the Locutus incident. And uh, he, he kind of comes to grips with that whole deal. So then after that was Star Trek Insurrection, where they went into a nebula and 
did some stuff. Honestly, I only saw that movie once or twice. It wasn't a great movie. I don't remember much about it. <laughs> um, let's assume some stuff happened that was thematically uh, important, but I can't reference anything, you know, off the top of my head. And then that brings us back to 2002, the final movie in the Star Trek The Next Generation era, Star Trek Nemesis, a fine, fine cinematic feature. <laughs> The movie that killed the Star Trek franchise. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, as much as that movie may have made some missteps, and, and if you like that movie, and, and if you liked it a lot and thought it's a great movie, that's fine. I'm not sitting here trying to change your mind to each their own, but I think myself and a lot of other people think it could have been a little better there were there were some problems with that movie and it kills me because like brent spiner and i think patrick stewart had a hand in the writing of that movie so it's it it, it doubly kills me because i love these people and you'd think they would have you know be be so in touch with their characters that they, they couldn't possibly swing and a miss but i don't know but that movie is really, really important for where we eventually wind up with Star Trek Picard because the main thrust of that movie was A, how uh, Shinzon, the clone of Jean-Luc Picard, that was a, such a whatever, Shinzon, <laughs> um, he, he attempts a coup. He, he kind of destroys the Romulan Senate and takes over the Romulan military forces and or or Riemann military forces it's a uh, by ag again whatever not important but so he he sets out to destroy earth and the enterprise is able to thwart him at the last moment and so that has several ramifications that are important later one Jean-Luc Picard becomes a hero to the Romulan people because he led the ship and the crew that thwarted the person who attempted the coup and takeover of their entire planet and society, their entire empire. Two, Data heroically sacrificed himself and died at the end of that movie. He got blown up uh, on, on the uh, Shinzon ship, which I don't remember the name of. It's something imposing, I'm sure. I don't remember. But it, it was, um, he. So, so Data died. But not before transferring his memories into the early prototype android known as B4, the Sung android that they found buried on some planet somewhere, very conveniently. <laughs> and and so uh, yes, so I, I think actually it wasn't that convenient. I think it was part of the, the setup for the whatever. So there was that. And then thirdly. A distant third in importance, William Riker, Commander William Riker, and his his Imzadi, Deanna Troy, they get hitched and they fly off into the sunset on adventures of their own when Commander Riker becomes Captain Riker and takes command of the USS Titan. So that is where we leave off and where we have been that is our past when it comes time to revisit these characters. And the place where we're going to pick up here, actually, is not with the things surrounding Star Trek Picard. It's going to be a very unlikely source, because once that Next Generation series of movies kind of flamed out, they decided to reboot the Star Trek franchise. 
and they decided to do that with the original series era and they rebooted it with new actors and a completely new timeline as a result of some time travel shenanigans. But the inciting incident of that new timeline occurred in uh, what we will call the prime timeline, the quote unquote real Star Trek timeline. And that is about nine years after the events of Star Trek Nemesis, the Romulan sun goes supernova. And so Spock tries to stop it. A very, very old ambassador Spock tries to use some dodgy science to, to, to stop it and winds up creating a black hole that, that sucks the antagonist of the film and himself into it and throws them back in time. That's not important. We don't really care about the events of, of those films beyond that supernova because that supernova is still canon. That supernova that consumes Romulus and a whole bunch of other planets in their empire, that is actually going to happen in, in the prime Star Trek timeline. That's something that does not change. And that is one of the main inciting incidents for this series. So let's jump back two years prior to that incident. And that is the point at which they begin the Star Trek Picard countdown comic book series. Now, one thing before I start talking about the comic books, and, and I am going to give a pretty detailed blow by blow a synopsis of what happened in the comics. So once again, if you don't want to be spoiled on what happens in the comics, you can refer to the time code in the description for this podcast, which I have included. I can tell. I have. It's there. It's done. Very good. So that is there if you don't want to be spoiled. The other thing, and here's where it gets a little squidgy. I don't think the comic book has been officially announced as canon in the Star Trek universe, but but the producers of Star Trek Picard worked very closely with the producers of the comic to make it flow with the series. They did something very similar on the comic for Star Trek Discovery, and I think even more so on Picard. So even though nobody has been able to confirm that it is officially canon, the events of the comic do seem to line up with what we know about the series so far. So that's why I'm talking about this right here. And what happens in the comic is... We start out, as I said, two years prior to the events where Romulus's son goes supernova. So the Federation has, through channels, I guess, and whispers, learned that the Romulans expect their son to go supernova at some point in the next few years. And so they have offered their assistance. You know, it's the Federation. That's kind of what they do, humanitarian efforts and whatnot, even though that's kind of specious to say the word humanitarian since it's a united federation of planets and races and again not important so the uh the, the federation knows about this and that's kind of the backdrop for this comic so it actually starts out uh, there's honestly james and and listener i apologize i apologize because there's a lot of jumping around in time in this timeline that i'm kind of laying out for you i'm trying to make it as cohesive and coherent as i can but i can only do so much so if you get a little confused i apologize so we start the comic book starts a year 
after the events of the comic book. It, it starts out with a page one year later, and we see two Romulans. I mean, I guess they could be Vulcans, but they're Romulans. Two Romulans in a vineyard, and they're talking about how they don't belong there, but they need to be there because they owe him so much for what he's done for them and how they wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for him. And then at, at in the last panel, we see a crate of wine bottles that say Chateau Picard. So this is the vineyard, the Picard vineyard, where he has uh, seemingly wound up once again. So after that, following that first page, we then head back a year to Utopia Planitia shipyards. And uh, that is on Mars, or in orbit of Mars, technically, or in orbit and on Mars. It's a whole complex. Anyway, now Utopia Planitia is a very famous ship construction facility in the Star Trek universe. They have constructed the, notably, most notably, they constructed the Enterprise D, as well as uh, kind of the whole galaxy-class starship project. They were the shipyard that finished construction on Voyager. And James, you're going to appreciate this. Utopia Planitia was also the facility where Captain, then Commander, Benjamin Sisko took charge of the Defiant Project and constructed the USS Defiant. So, you know, a a notable facility. But the facility is, in this time frame, no longer commanded by one Benjamin Sisko because he is, of course, the emissary and has gone on to weirder pastures. No, in, in this particular continuity, Utopia Planitia is commanded and overseen by a famous engineer, a beloved engineer in the Star Trek pantheon, not Mr. Scott. He's, uh, he's off on having his own bloody adventures, one assumes. No, in fact, we are, of course... Talking about one Jordy LaForge. Yay! He is, uh, yes, yes. One of James's favorites, one of my favorites. Jordy is in command of Utopia Planitia, and he seems to be overseeing the construction of a fleet of rescue ships to try and evacuate the Romulan population from the planets where they are in danger of, you know, losing from the supernova. How are we doing so far, James? Um, with you... From the get-go, so thank you for the uh, the detail, and I'm enjoying it. So I'm getting excited for the premiere, as a matter of fact, so thank you. Sure, all right. Well, we have we have a long way to go here, buddy. <laughs> so strap in, you know, put, put on your... Re- this is a sidebar, and I apologize because I know it's going to be a long show, and I know there's a lot to cover, but so... I, I believe, I can't remember if this is in the Star Trek technical manual. I think it is. Or or maybe this was just justification given by one of the producers. But I'm pretty sure the reason they stated that nobody on the bridge of the Enterprise ever wore seatbelts is that there was some kind of force field that was put in place when you slid into your station which didn't seem to jive too much with what we saw on screen with everybody bouncing around. I'm, I'm currently bouncing around on my couch. You can't see this. I don't know why I'm doing it. It's just, I guess, you know, I'm still doing it. What is wrong with me, James? Why am I doing Nobody, Nobody but you can see me bouncing around on my couch, and yet here I am as if my living room has just been rocked by a photon torpedo or something. I don't know. What is wrong with me? Anyway. You're experiencing so the, turbulence. That's all. Yeah, I guess so. In my head i'm experiencing some turbulence so anyway 
I believe the producers said that there was some kind of force field system that was supposed to restrain you in those seats, which is why they didn't have seatbelts. I don't know if I buy it, but you know, that's, that's what they say. Yeah. I, I don't I think they actually had seatbelts on the Galileo seven, by the way, but again, that that's original series. Oh goodness. I've completely lost the thread. That it was just matter. a shuttlecraft too. It no, doesn't don't worry matter. About it. Well, how did he even, how did I even get to force fields and bouncing around on the, Commander seriously, LaForge I've forgotten. How did I get there? What that's was I the, talking about? That's the mistake you made. You got me involved. So, continue with Commander LaForge overseeing the um, rescue mission of, of Romulus. All right, whatever. I'll just, I'll just press on and trust that I wasn't talking about anything important. So from Utopia Planitia, we then cut to... The Verity, the USS Verity, which is a ship that is commanded by one Admiral Picard. Yes, we finally see no longer captain. He has been promoted to Admiral and he is the man that is overseeing the efforts to rescue the Romulan people. It seems like the Verity is the ship that is kind of until the fleet of rescue ships can be built. The Verity, which is a... Well, this this isn't canon. This definitely isn't canon yet. But according to the Star Trek Online, and I only know this because I've read it online. According to the Star Trek Online game, the Odyssey class, which is what the Verity looks like based on the way it's drawn, is a huge ship. It's even bigger than a Galaxy class ship, which is what the Enterprise D was. So I guess that's a ship of the size that is required to evacuate populations from planets, which, you know, makes sense. So Captain Picard, who has earned the trust of the Romulan people because of the events of Nemesis, is overseeing the Romulan evacuation. So he and uh, his crew, including his first officer, Rafi, who is a Romulan specialist, they are off to a Romulan world that was until now thought to be uninhabited. Oh, those those secrecy-obsessed Romulans, those pointy-eared, green-blooded scamps. They are in need of evacuation. So, long story short, the Verity rocks up. I don't use the term rock up. I don't know why I decided to, to employ it here, but that's neither here nor there. The Verity arrives in orbit around this planet, whose name I did not bother to write down. And the, the Romulans will only allow Captain Picard and his first officer to beam down because, you know, again, they're secrecy obsessed control freaks. And so they do. And the governor greets them. And surprisingly, it's very out of character for the Romulans, allows them to look around a little bit, which Ooh. they do. In fact, there's a vineyard, which, you know, appeals to Captain Picard. Admiral. I'm sorry. Admiral Picard. I apologize, sir. I have to get used to that, which appeals to Admiral Picard because, you know, the whole wine thing. And so he goes and lo and behold, he sees some native population working the fields. We didn't know there was a native population. We thought there were only Romulans here. Oh, that's okay. They don't need to be evacuated. The natives don't matter. Only the Romulans matter. You can leave them to die. And, you know, of course, the admiral doesn't take too kindly to this and he takes it up with the governor and the governor says, cool, you're arrested. And so is your first officer. So that is how the the first book, the issue one of the Star Trek countdown series ends with Captain Picard and his first officer in a Romulan jail. Issue two picks up with basically it happens fairly quickly. There's some 
Romulan machinations that I don't care to get into. And then the basically the native population comes to their rescue and, you know, stages a jailbreak and frees, you know, Admiral Picard and his first officer, Rafi. And so they get taken off to a secret location like the secret gathering space, which is gorgeous, that the native population doesn't let anybody see. And they are greeted by two Romulans who we've come to find out are Tal Shiar agents who have gone rogue because they made the mistake. They committed the horrible, grievous crime of falling in love, which is prohibited. And they knew that if they went back to Romulus, you know, their lives would effectively be over. So they decided to turn on the Romulans and side with this native population and which the natives, as it turns out, are highly intelligent and evolved and they just are a peaceful, simple people. So um, they, they, they're quite sentient and deserving of, of evacuation. So uh, that thread as to where we go from there that, uh, you know, Picard says, oh, we need to get back to the ship. But they can't communicate with the Verity. Communications uh, are, are blocked. They have to figure out how to get back up there. In the meantime, one person who has not been cut off from the Verity is the Romulan governor, who convinces them to beam her up. And and basically, they've fed them some sob story about how the natives went native and killed the admiral and, and the first officer. And they need to get in touch with the Romulans. And so... The, the 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 guy who's left in charge on the bridge he's like okay you can use the captain's secure ready room <laughs> you can call romulus sure thing so you know they're romulans and they go in there and he's like here use the captain's computer and immediately some kind of uh computer hack is affected by the romulans and they take control of the ship so that is where issue two leaves off it is a three issue arc Issue three was supposed to come out prior to the launch of the series, but it did not. It has been pushed back to the week following the launch of the series. I'm assuming it's because there are some things in there that are going to be revealing about the series that they'd rather keep under wraps, or maybe they just had a publishing issue and, and, you know, had to, had to bump it back. I don't know. Regardless, we don't get that sweet, sweet third denouement issue until after the series drops, which, you know, it gives me less to talk about and I have enough to talk about. So that's fine. So, you know, Keep a lot of those things in mind because based on what we've seen in the trailers, and, and I'll, I'll get into this more later, but a lot of this, this is a big part of why I think I say it's, it's sort of continuity, you know, sort of canon is, is a lot of this stuff seems to line up with what we've seen in the trailers so far. And another thing that lines up with the trailers is something that actually just dropped a short while ago, and that is the latest Short Treks episode. Now, James, are you familiar with the concept of Short Treks? No, sir. Okay, so due to the success of Star Trek Discovery, they decided, and by they, I mean the powers that be that are overseeing currently the Star Trek franchise, they decided that CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming service, which is also where Star Trek Picard is going to be, they are going to be, you know, your one-stop shop for all things Trek. 
They are undergoing a Star Trek renaissance on that network, and they have a bunch of Star Trek series in the works. Discovery is going into its third season, and obviously Star Trek Picard is going to drop. Another series, Lower Decks, has been announced and should drop later this year. That is going to be an animated series covering, by their own admission, uh, I forget the exact verbiage that they used, but it's basically the support crew of one of the least important ships in the fleet. So Sounds like it, a comedy. It is. It is very much a comedy. So it's, it's, it's basically Star Trek's attempt at, at funny. So okay. we'll see where that goes. But Short Treks is something that they did between Discovery's first and second seasons and have done now again. They've dropped a, another series of episodes of that, you know, during this time window. And basically what Short Treks is usually not always, but usually it's about a month between episodes. They're basically short form Star Trek stories, stories occurring in the Star Trek universe, but they're largely self-contained. And uh, we didn't know until we watched through the whole second season of Discovery that pretty much all of the Short Treks episodes that they released in season one were linked in some way to the events that either were about to unfold or had unfolded that we didn't know about yet. So they've done the same thing with with this second season of Short Treks. And this most recent episode, the reason why I'm talking about this, the most recent episode, which is called Children of Mars, focuses on events that occurred in and around the Utopia Planitia shipyards and the surrounding colonies on Mars. And mostly it's just a very well-told story about two young girls, two schoolgirls who are having a very bad day and decide to take it out on each other by antagonizing each other throughout the course of the day and things escalate and it ends in a big fight and it's, uh, you know, they're both kind of put in timeout, but then the gut punch hits right at the end because while they're in timeout, there is a live feed like the, the you know, it, it's as, as these things tend to unfold, somebody gets an alert and there's a, a, a kind of a news cut in and then suddenly there's a live feed. There is an attack a horrible sneak attack on Utopia Planitia and on Mars. And, you know, it's devastating while it's in progress. The TV kind of news feed says 3000 estimated casualties at, you know, at, at least. And then also on the TV screen, there's uh, kind of a, a, what I think appears to be like a, a statement, like they reached out for a statement. It's not made clear. It happens very quickly from Admiral Picard saying that the attack is just devastating and they don't specify where in the chronology of things this happens. But I suspect based on the uh, kind of the image, the stock image and, 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 you know, the way they put it up on screen as they do in news feeds that this occurs after whatever happens with the Romulans, after he has retired back to his vineyard, seemingly, and they just reached out to him for comment. Again, that's speculation on my part. It's not made clear, but that's what makes the most sense to me. So that Mars attack is something that seems like it's going to play a big part in the series. One thing that I forgot to mention, James, is that on that screen, that new screen that told you about the attack, it specified that the attack was being committed by rogue synths. 
And there's no clarification as to what that means. It's just, that's what we're told. And it also occurs on First Contact Day, which is April 5th. And that's going to bring us to the point here and now where we start talking about the trailers for Star Trek Picard and even a little, you know, some of the interviews I think that the cast have have given basically what we know to this point. Now, James, uh, is there anything that you want me to cover or clarify uh, about what I just went through before I launch into that? No, I feel like that I'm cramming for a huge exam and you did all the studying and now I'm just going to go take the test and pass it thanks to your years of knowledge and sharing the uh, experiences and the details. I appreciate that very much. Just one question. Yeah, absolutely. Since we are dealing with the future and and Romulans haven't changed much since uh, I've known them or or in the the, the, uh, canon of Star Trek. Do you know many Romulans, James? I do not. With the exception. I was was curious. That's all. With the exception of one in a way. Uh, Senator Vrenak, are any of his relatives uh, kicking or doing any uh, hijinks in the future or no no reference yet? You know, I did see one thing about the lineage of Senator Vrenak and it, it actually seemed pretty compelling at first blush. But then, unfortunately, I did a little more digging into the source and it turns out it's a fake. <laughs> so no love there. Thank you for clarifying. Sir. You're welcome. So now we have come to the portion, as I said, where we're going to cover what you can expect from the series based on what we know so far from the trailers. And uh, if you have skipped the prior portion of the podcast because you didn't want to be spoiled on anything, welcome once again to Vintage Picard. And we uh, we, 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 we welcome you to, uh, you know, sit back and enjoy what we're doing here, knock on wood, or whatever synthetic material has replaced wood in the future. And so, you know, we, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the whole spiel from the beginning of the podcast again, but thank you for joining us. If you have stuck with us, then, uh, you know, thank you for sticking with us and still being here. And we hope you continue to enjoy our services that we are providing here, which I'm sure are not <laughs> not worth a whole lot. But well, uh, we're going to do our level best. Yes, go ahead. If anything, like I was saying, uh, you know, you did so well to help me out and, and fill in these huge gaps. And now I'll be able to enjoy Picard so much more that you've informed me of all this stuff. So hopefully for the listener, too. You kind of just saved a lot of time. I, I know that uh, everything's instant nowadays with YouTube and everybody has cell phones and things like that. But uh, I think you just you personally, you just saved me a whole bunch of stuff. And now I'm all ready to go. So hopefully the listener was also beneficial from that as well. Yes. So we're going to uh, jump in here with a, just a few small but significant caveats. And that is one, I have not watched or uh, read every single interview that's been given by cast and production people about this new series. So there may be information out there that I do not yet possess that I cannot pass along to you. So I apologize for that. Two, I have not watched any like analysis videos or any, you know, speculative videos on YouTube or anything like that or uh, listen to podcasts of, of the same. So anything I'm giving you here is just what I've managed to cobble together from my own brain and, and what I've watched and, and, you know, what I think is important and where I think it might go. Thirdly, finally, and probably most importantly, one thing that we all need to remember while watching these trailers, it is something that has been 
proven out time and time again through years of coming attractions on Star Trek shows and and plenty of other series as well. And that is the axiom that previews always lie. They inevitably cut these things together to make it seem the most interesting and the most exciting and the most dramatic. And there will be things there that are misleading. So I am not speculating or or giving you information based on what they have led me to believe the plot is going to be. I am trying very hard to tell you what has appeared and kind of been confirmed based on what was on screen at the time, based on the context of the scene that was shown at the time. So while you have all that information, I think we can safely jump into the setup of what we know right now going into Star Trek Picard. So basically, I think we should start off with where Jean-Luc Picard is currently in his life at the start of the series. And that is that it's a little ambiguous based on a couple of different voiceovers from the various trailers and teasers. It seems like this series is occurring 15 to 20 years after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. Most of what I have seen has been around 20 years. That, that's kind of been the reference. So that's what I'm going off of mainly. However, there was one teaser where a woman's voice talks about exactly 15 years ago today, Admiral Picard brought us out of the darkness into the light. So I suspect that's referencing the events of the evacuation in light of the supernova, but the math on that doesn't exactly line up with the dates we've been given so far. So I don't know if that's the case. I can't swear to it. So, you know, I think it's close to 20 based on what I've seen, but it could be anywhere from 15 to 20 or another number entirely. <laughs> but but that's where we are. It's been a while, I guess, is the salient point there. And uh, so that's number one. Actually, no, that's not number one. We'll get to number one. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to number one a couple of times. So uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, James. I'm getting punchy is what happened. So anyway, it has been 15 to 20 or other years since Nemesis. And because of the events of his life... Jean-Luc Picard has retired from Starfleet and gone back to a vineyard. I don't know if it's the same family vineyard. I don't know how much burned up in the fire of generations, but uh, he has retired to a vineyard in France. And I don't know if it's Le Bar France, but somewhere in the countryside of France. And he has taken to distilling. Is that is that the, the right? I, that's that's distilling is like something that you do for liquor, right? Well, that, not that, not wine, typically. That That's my He's, other all time favorite show. Yeah. <laughs> the Dukes of Hazard with moonshine. Right. right. I, this, this, I think, is a little <laughs> more high end. He has taken to creating. I don't know what the correct verb is, but he has taken to making Chateau Picard wine. So he is a vintner now. That is what he does. Jean-Luc Picard is no longer involved with Starfleet and he's he's seemingly retired to the quiet life. And as it happens, it seems like the two Romulans from the comic, 
it, it looks like they are the two rogue Tal Shiar agents. And those are the same two people who were in the first panel of the first issue or the first page of the first issue looking for him and, and, and talking about how much they owe to him. They are still with him. They, I guess, help him out on... I was going to say on the farm. It's not a farm. It's a vineyard. They help him out in the vineyard. I don't know what else they may do for him, but they seem to be friends. And, you know, they they, they are they are with him. So that that's another reason why I feel like this is canon, because, you know, it's it like it's setting it up very well. Someone else that is with him is De Niro, who is Picard's bulldog. And yes, he has a dog now. I assume his fish Livingston has long since gone on to that that great bowl in the sky. But um, he has a dog named De Niro, whom he calls number one. Nice. So <laughs> I guess we could call him number one, number two. Yeah, I'm curious why he wouldn't go with Earl Grey, but okay, that that's cool. It makes sense. Actually, I you know I promised I wasn't going to get bogged down in minutia on this podcast, but I just can't help myself because now I'm wondering if perhaps Jack Crusher on the Stargazer was number one, number one, which would have made Will Riker on the Enterprise number one, number two, and I guess technically Rafi on the Verity would be number one, number three, which would make De Niro number one, number four. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway, so uh, he's got the dog and he seems to have retired to, you know, the quiet good life. Mm -hmm. But it also appears that that Mars attack from Children of Mars on Utopia Planitia and, and the surrounding colonies still haunts him to this day. And so that that's something that he seems to have nightmares about and, and, and you know, be kind of uh, really really still bothered by all these years later and one day one thing we know is one day in the vineyard he is approached by a girl and i say girl because i mean i guess young woman her age isn't really specified but young woman is probably more apt he's approached by a, a mysterious young woman who's begging him for help and she feels like he's the only one that can help her and he feels a kinship, a connection to her in some way that that he can't identify. But he feels he feels, you know, in some way like like he knows her or he's connected to her or, you know, he, he some other, you know, through line there. And uh, he wants to help her. And it seems I can't I can't swear because, again, previews always lie. But it seems like uh, something happens and he decides to enlist the help of Starfleet to, to go to Starfleet headquarters and beseech them to help him help her. He wants them to help him help somebody. We're led to believe it is her. So that's what we know kind of concretely about the story and where, where it picks up. Now, the cast who has been announced and shown so far is very interesting. There's a number of cameos from the old days, as it were, the most prominent, the one you almost definitely know about is against all odds, we see a return of Commander Data. He sees Data. Now, I don't think he's actually seeing Data because Data blew up on Shinzon's ship. So, you know, he did. But I personally believe it's either a holodeck or a dream. I'm kind of leaning towards dream based on the imagery that we've seen in the trailers and kind of the way other things shake out and, and, and the mood of the scenes. But it could be a holodeck. It could be something else entirely. 
I don't know. But I'm assuming the data is not actually there. And in fact, Brent Spiner has come out and said that he is not part of the main cast. He's not a series regular on this show. He's uh, kind of a guest star. So we won't see a lot of him, probably, unless they throw us a huge swerve. I don't know. They could be lying to us for some reason. But we shouldn't expect to see a lot of data. But it's always nice and refreshing to see data, especially considering the circumstances under which we left him. So uh, that's nice. There's also the Rikers. I'm assuming that she took his name. I I shouldn't because, you know, this is this is 2020 and everybody's woke. Uh, I can't imagine how woke everybody will be in 2400 whatever. But uh let's 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 assume that they are in fact the Rikers, William T and Deanna, and they are seen to be in a home, like some kind of house as you would assume a home to be, although again, it's the future. I shouldn't it's okay i shouldn't pigeonhole them into a structure of some sort one good thing uh, about the future is people aren't overly sensitive over every single thing so don't worry about it but um so they they are seen in some kind of homestead and uh jean-luc picard pays them a visit and it seems like they also have a child so it is uh i think can be assumed that they have also retired to the good life, but, you know, I guess they could just be on leave. Who knows? The first officer from the Verity, Raffi, the Romulan expert, you might remember, she also seems to be part of the cast, part of the main cast. She played kind of a, not not a, a super featured, but a somewhat prominent role in the trailers. So you can expect her to be part of his uh, his crew that he, he will eventually reconstitute for a new adventure. And um, he also has some other crew members who we wouldn't recognize and are new people that I'm sure we'll come to know and know. One of them seems like he's probably a Vulcan warrior. He could be a Romulan, but he just, he strikes me as Vulcan. And the two most interesting characters who have been revealed to be in this show and they are old acquaintances or or friends i guess depending on you know your level of preference and and uh, i'm getting bogged down in the weeds anyway it's two borg it is seven of nine from voyager and hugh from uh the these you know episodes of next generation hugh you may remember as the Iborg, the the one who became an individual when separated from the collective and then got reinserted. And then there was some business with lore in in Descent, the season seven premiere. But that's neither here nor there. Hugh was kind of left off in that episode as a sort of leader of the Borg, or at least his little collective, pun sort of intended, of Borg there. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff on Voyager with the Borg Queen that kind of nullified all that stuff but i don't know how that plays into anything but the reason i say these two characters are so interesting is partly because you know of the implications of the borg in this series that they they bring but also because they are the only two i would say prominent you know high profile cast members who i could not find a listing for on imdb on the star trek picard page because a lot of the other characters you can take a look at the number of episodes they're in and say okay they're you know their main cast okay they're they're like a one-off cameo neither of them are listed on the page so i have no idea and as far as i know they haven't been announced 
announced one way or the other. So I don't know how much of a recurring role they are going to have on this show. They, you know, Seven of Nine at least has been very prominently featured in the trailers, but I don't know, you know, what that means for the actual series. Any excuse to get Jerry Ryan in, I'm fine with. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Jerry Ryan's... <laughs> um less obvious contributions to Voyager are underrated. She she was a very competent and and pretty funny when she was given the opportunity actress. I really I've seen her in well, not much other stuff. She had a couple of episodes on Warehouse 13 on the Sci-Fi Channel which was a series that I loved and she was great on that. Yeah, I will be very happy to see her again on the Star Trek on the Star Trek TVs. The uh on the tracks, yes. Yes, so speaking of her comedy uh, skills, she was in, I, I wasn't a big fan of the show, but Two and a Half Men, too. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously from the obvious things, but she is a very well-rounded actress. Yeah, I, I, you know, I did watch Two and a Half Men. I forgot that she had made an appearance on that, uh, and, you know, shame on me. Uh, she was also on Boston Legal, I think. She was, I, I don't know, one of those shows. I didn't watch it. I didn't, I, I had no experience with any of that, but I think she was on, with William Shatner, right? I, yeah, I remember Boston Legal was with, with Shatner. Uh, I do also, I don't know why we were going down uh, Jerry Ryan's career, which, just to justify that we are true fans of hers, and, and of all the actors and actresses involved in Star Trek. But yeah, she's also done, at least it was a similar show, I think on Fox. It was like uh, she was a school principal or something of, of that nature Maybe. as well. So yeah. And James, I want to give you credit there for not saying we're going down Jerry Ryan's rabbit hole because that has all sorts of uncomfortable implications that I'm not at all okay with addressing. All right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's just leave that where it is. Okay. But um, so, yeah, that, that's that that's the cast that, or not the full cast, but that's, you know, those are the notables in the cast. Other notable things, noteworthy stuff from the trailers that I feel worth mentioning and important to mention. One is, you know, just uh, not going to have any kind of impact on the series whatsoever, but just something I thought was really cool. There's a really sweet looking hologram of the Enterprise D at Starfleet Command. And and I just, uh, it was, uh, I as I said earlier, it was my favorite ship. It was, oh, oh, the D. Oh, I love you. I love you so much, ship. I I miss you so much. It was just a, a very gratifying thing to see. Another thing of interest was there was a Captain Picard Day sign. Captain Picard Day? Oh, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's for the children. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a role model. <laughs> just very briefly in one of the shots, I'm assuming it's a memory or a dream or something, but, you know, that that is... Uh, something kind of near and dear to uh, James and I, at least. And maybe to you too. I don't know. Um, one of the very interesting things was there was a bunch of Borg stuff. And this is this is part of where the uh, Seven of Nine and Hugh thing ties in. But there was one shot of a huge Borg cube that was messed up. Like, it was partly blowed up. You know, there were big holes in it. And it was just floating there. And it didn't look menacing. It wasn't in a battle posture. It was just kind of hanging in space with what appears to be blue force fields covering the holes. But and I've seen there's another one with green force fields. So I'm not sure what's going on, but that's definitely something to look out for. And the Borg thing is still is going to come back 
in a minute. But another thing that I thought, which really doesn't have any context because we don't know what the ship that Picard and his uh, crew that he will assemble is going to look like. I have read that it is going to be a ship that's like old and has very few weapons. It's not like a, a ship of the line. It's, you know, the kind of beat up ragtag, uh, you know, ship that they're making it out to be just a, a hunk of space junk that, you know, that's the best they could do. So against all odds type of thing. So I don't know what they're actually flying, but there were a few shots and I personally found this very interesting. There were a few shots in the trailer of a Romulan bird of prey attacking another ship, or at least what looked to me like a Romulan bird of prey. I couldn't see the bottom of it to confirm, but it was the right shape and color. Now, listener, if you are not familiar with the Romulan bird of prey, if perhaps you think I have misspoken and I meant a Romulan warbird or perhaps a Klingon bird of prey, Nay, I say unto thee. No, I know of what I speak. The Romulan Bird of Prey was the original Romulan ship from the TOS, the original series era. And uh, it had like the kind of falcon Mm -hmm. looking bird on the bottom. And uh, that's the part that I couldn't see in these shots from the trailer. So I, I don't know, but it was the same shape. So if it is in fact one of those ships, then that is like... 150 years old or something like that. That's like, that's an old ship, you know? Now, it's possible that it got refurbished. It's possible that the Romulans decided to build entirely new ships with the same design and completely upgraded technology. I don't know, but I found that very intriguing, especially in light of the fact that the Romulans seem to be like, that it seems like the Romulans are going to play a very significant role in this series because another thing that they showed is a Romulan prison of some sort, a Romulan detention facility, and a sign that is very briefly, you know, blink and you'll miss it, shown on the Romulan facility is something that says, um, I don't remember the exact number, but it was basically this facility has gone 5,800 days without an assimilation. So it seems like the Romulans are doing something with the Borg. And based on some of the shots that they showed, I don't know if they are going to be like harvesting the Borg for their technology or if they've subjugated the Borg somehow or what. But there's definitely some kind of Romulan Borg connection with what's going forward in the series. And really the whole Romulan thing like that based on things that Patrick Stewart has said and, and, and other people have said about this series, the Romulan evacuation thing then and again we don't know how it ended yet because that third comic book hasn't dropped but the romulan evacuation thing was traumatic enough that it was one of the things if not the main inciting incident that drove jean-luc picard out of starfleet so that's definitely going to be something to watch for now before i wrap up and go into speculation about where this series might go james is there anything that i have failed to clarify here or or made unclear in some way no, it was a very detailed report, so thank you, Captain. But just one question, as you did say, uh, that, that w- with, with the canon, and I did forget to mention that I watched the, uh, the 09 Star Trek movie and my many problems with that. But So Vulcan exists, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, good. so if you happen to be confused, what happened in the Star Trek 2009 movie yeah. was that as a result of this Romulan supernova thing, Spock, old, you know, very old Ambassador Spock and this other guy, the antagonist of that movie, got sucked back in time. And in that timeline, they blew up Vulcan and, you know... Kirk got accelerated as the captain of the Enterprise, and I don't know. Please but, don't open up those wounds. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. But <laughs> to answer your question, which I already answered, and I don't know why I'm going back to that well, because I overexplained things. Just ask my wife. But uh, yes, the simple answer is yes, Vulcan still exists. None of that stuff in that series of movies actually happened <sighs> in this timeline. This is the prime timeline, Good. The, uh, the timeline from which that other timeline originated, but not that timeline. Yeah, and the the reason why I bring that up, and thank you for explaining that, mm -hmm. is that uh, obviously with Next Generation, one of my all-time favorite episodes was when Mr. Spock showed up and, and his lifelong mission of bridging the uh, broken gap between Vulcan and Romulan. Unification, exactly. parts one and two. Yes, and, and his great connection with Mr. Data and obviously then Captain Picard. I hope that they can still tie all that stuff in. Personally, for me, as we were saying, our Star Trek affiliations and, and our fandom, uh, my all-time favorite character is Mr. Spock, by far. So if they could get that back into it, I'd really appreciate it, too. But obviously, I understand it, it, it's all about Admiral Picard and, and things and the next generation. But if they could do that little tie-in, I'd appreciate that as well. I'm just curious if there's any hint at all to that. Well, no, but here's the interesting thing. So if they are maintaining that as canon that actually happened, even if they are not pursuing that other timeline, if they are maintaining the inciting incident of that timeline, then old Ambassador Spock will have been pulled back through that black hole into that other timeline. So he would not be available in this time frame to exist in, in any way, shape or form. But, you know, unless they specifically refer to it in this series, which they could, they could, you know, make it, they could double down on the canon. There's really no way of knowing if that happened or not. I mean, given that we lost Leonard Nimoy a number of years ago, that kind of makes it easy to say, yeah, that's what happened. And he was never seen or heard from again. But I, I can't say definitively whether it has or hasn't, because I don't know that they've made any definitive statements on that. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So on to the speculation, the baseless idle speculation. Well, it's not baseless. It's not baseless. It is based in what I have seen and what I have attempted to put together from the story beats that we have been shown and the, the continuity that has led us to this point. So, okay. Here's my big theory about what's going on. No, I shouldn't even say what's going on because the main thrust of this story seems to be Picard's quest to help this girl and what's going on with the Romulans who are potentially trying to, you know, capture her or hurt her or do something to her. That I have no idea what's going on with. I have no theories on that. I've seen one or two theories about who she could be. I'm discounting them, not because I think they're bad, but just because I don't want to you know, embrace somebody else's speculation. I'm just going based off what I've seen. Here's here's my my big theory. The reason that Captain Picard is so haunted by this Mars attack, which was carried out, you may remember, by rogue synths. The reason why he is so haunted by that is because I think, I, I speculate, I postulate that 
these synths, these synthetic creatures were created from in some way based on B4, which was the the, you know, Noonian prototype android from Nemesis. Mm. that Data's memories got put into before he went off to sacrifice himself. So, you know, before he pulled a Spock. So that's my speculation. And I feel like Picard feels guilty because Data sacrificed himself for Picard, to save Picard. That's the only reason he was on that ship. And so I think what's going to happen is that we're going to find out that these synths, these synthetic android creatures is is my speculation are going to have come from before in some way you know be designed based on that in some way and kind of the i feel like they are going to become what was hypothesized in measure of a man the second season episode where data was put on trial to determine whether or not he was property or whether he was a sentient being or what we saw in voyager with the the many doctors like the, the the planet that had reproduced the doctor and used them for manual labor these holograms so i suspect that this is going to be a situation like that where these synths were created to be manual laborers or or something to that effect and you know they are some of them at least a faction of them are going to turn rogue and attack mars and uh you know turn on the federation What's up with Lore, by the way? Is he still around or? Lore, yes. I don't know. I think, honestly, I forget. I'm pretty sure he was not killed. The last time we saw him was at the end of Descent Part 2, which was the season seven premiere. And I think he was kind of left in the hands of the Borg. He may have been damaged or turned off or something. I don't remember what exactly happened to him, but I'm pretty sure he was not permanently deactivated. He just kind of fell off the map, as far as I remember. And listener, if I'm misremembering that, please feel free to correct me. Again, you can email us, tweet at us, or get us on Facebook. We are Vintage Picard at gmail.com or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Vintage Picard. If I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong, but that's how I remember it. So yeah, lore could still be a wild card. This could be something based on lore or it could be something based on Borg technology because again, the Borg are going to play a huge role in this show or it could be something else entirely. But based on the guilt that Picard feels, I'm postulating that that's the source of his guilt that he feels like in some roundabout way he is responsible for what happened all right well uh you've got me all excited for the picard premiere so i can't wait for it i gotta unfortunately i have to download the app or whatever the case is because no more regular tv with the the cbs whatever they call it now and so on and so forth but uh thanks i appreciate it and uh, looking forward to it yeah so am i james so before we wrap up i know it's been a long haul here and i appreciate everyone who's stuck with us to this point you are appreciated and i hope you will continue to stick with us as the series moves forward and uh, we continue to review every episode and and talk about what you know what it means on an episode by episode basis so we plan to release these weekly you know concurrently with the series so that's the plan right now but james before we wrap this up is there anything that you would care to speculate on or anything that you know you think you see a hole in based on on what i've thrown out there or anything that you have for us here yeah like we were saying before i want to 
be excited by Star Trek again. So I'm hoping that it lives up to the potential. I also forgot to mention I did see Discovery, that premiere, and I wasn't happy with that at all. And I, uh, I'll keep my opinions to myself and all that stuff, trying to keep this as positive as possible and things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I appreciate that I'm all filled in now and all ready to go and uh, won't be lost and then won't be thinking, well, what, what, what did I miss? Or why is that? And who's that? And this, that, and the other thing. So it looks sharp. Uh, the special effects look great. And it's something, uh, the premiere that they had, it was actually on my father's birthday on January 13th. So that seemed to be really positive too. In London, I believe it was, where they uh, did like, there was in a big movie theater and all that. So thank you. I'm excited about it. And I expect good things from it. So that that's all I'm, I'm going to say. I'm not uh, going to guess or speculate or whatever the case is. You did the homework. You know what you're talking about. I'm going in pretty much fresh-faced and uh, hoping for the best. Yeah, me too. And and that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, if I am wrong about what I've postulated, then so be it. I love surprises. All I ask is that it's good and makes sense. That's all. You know, I, I don't have to be right just so long as I'm entertained. And, you know, on that note... Look forward to Star Trek Picard. Mr. Sajazi, lay in a course for Star Trek Picard January 23rd on CBS All Access, or if you're in the UK, uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Lucky yeah. Brits. Come but, on. Uh, so un- until then, this is a brand new podcast. I don't have a sign off. So uh, thanks for hanging with us. And uh, I guess we'll catch you on the next mission. Thanks, everybody. No. Yeah, I, I, I want I want Riffin Gary. I want the loose cannon American Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> you want Tom Riker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>